Blog Talk Radio. Radio show. I'm your host, Marie Hewlett, and I'm joined by Jeffrey Isbell, also known as Handsome Hubby. You know, I'm so glad you, you think that. <laughs> I don't know what to say about it, but I'll just keep quiet and then glow. <laughs> and I'm also joined by my amazing daughter, Ariana Isbell, who happens to be an outstanding vegan chef. Oh, thank you so outstanding much. In the <laughs> And we also have our little buddy here, Petey the Parrot. Petey, can you say hello? Say hello, buddy. Say hello. Ah, he's being shy. Well, Ari, what are you going to cook with us today? So this recipe is great for the Italian food lovers in the audience. Today I'm going to be showing you how to make meatballs. (laughs) Eggplant meatballs, that is. (laughs) Awesome, but it sounds very complicated. Oh, no, I'm sure the audience members will be able to get the hang of it real quickly. Well, if anyone can make complicated cooking techniques simple, I am sure it's you, Ari. You know, I always help uh, with the eating part. (laughs) And uh, one of the great things about Ari being such a great uh, vegan chef is the fact that animals are never harmed when vegan recipes are used. As an aside, for my brother's information... Uh, it's good to know that all cholesterol comes from animal products. If you are a vegan, you have no extra or bad cholesterol. But back to the script, please. <laughs> vegan recipes are especially good news for farm animals, and all of us at the Pet Place are big advocates for these unfortunate creatures. Yep. The fact is, they're sentient beings who just want to live long, happy, healthy lives. In fact... Many of these animals make terrific pets. We may not be such good friends to them, but given a chance, they all love to be cuddled. Absolutely. <laughs> Today we're going to be speaking with Shelmarie Maine, somebody who puts her effort where her words are, and she leads the community coop, and she's going to teach us what it takes to take care of pet chickens. Awesome. And as usual, we've got animal-related news stories and information on upcoming pet events. We'll also address questions that we've received from listeners about animal health, behavior, and wildlife. And if you have questions, don't hesitate to write to us at PetPlaceRadio at gmail.com, and we may answer your question on the air. Also... If you have any vegan recipes that you think other listeners would enjoy, send them to that same email address, petplaceradio at gmail.com, and I'll try them out. There's a good chance we'll feature your recipe on the show. We produce the show for you and other animal lovers everywhere, so let us know what you want to hear about. At petplaceradio at gmail.com. That's correct. I know they want to hear about animals in the news, so let me tell you a story. Now... I think everybody knows that parrots are really intelligent birds. Yeah, Petey is, that's for sure. But a team of researchers has just (coughs) discovered that the Kia, it's not a car, it's a large parrot (laughs) from New Zealand, and it actually laughs when feeling playful or happy. Now, this is significant. When I say it laughs, I don't mean it's a parrot who knows how to make a sound like laughing. 
It is considered the first non-mammal to exhibit, 50 cents uh, worth of words here, emotionally contagious vocalization. Thank you. I said that myself. <laughs> Good job. <laughs> you can probably relate to the fact that when others around you are laughing and having fun, it's hard not to get caught up in the giggling. Kias, who researchers describe as particularly playful, apparently do this too. The researchers, led by Dr. Raoul Schwing, found that when recordings of this special bird laughter was broadcast to Kias in the wild, who were not playing, just lumps on a fence sitting there. I saw this on Google, so you can look it up too. They would begin to engage in play behavior and start laughing themselves. Dr. Schwing and his colleagues played recordings of play calls to groups of wild Kia for a period of five minutes. They also played other Kia calls and the calls of the South Island Robin as controls. Our uh, expert Marie will tell us what controls are. <laughs> That's just to make sure that they're not behaving a certain way when they hear any sound, that they really are responding to the specific play behavior sound. So science, in yeah, other words. Yeah, science. science. True okay. science. Science. <laughs> well, when the birds heard the laughter, it led them to play more and play longer in comparison to other sounds. Wow. Now here's a quote for you from the scientists. Upon hearing the play call, many birds did not join in play that was already underway, but instead started playing with other non-playing birds, or in the case of solitary play, with an object or by performing aerial acrobatics, the authors said. That's pretty awesome, Jeff. Yeah. Well, I, I don't know if they were actually New Zealanders, but that's okay, because that really wasn't a New Zealand accent. Uh, another quote. These instances suggest... This was a visiting American scientist. Okay. <laughs> These instances suggest that it, the Kia weren't invited to play, but this specific call induced playfulness, supporting the hypothesis that play vocalizations can act as a positive emotional contagion, which I'd like to point out proves that if you can say things fancy enough, <laughs> you can take common sense and call it science. But anyway, there you go. Uh, they did have to test it and make sure it was true. Uh-huh. While it might be a bit anthropomorphic, the Kia play calls can be compared to a form of infectious laughter. Mm -hmm. Now, if you want to learn more science, the <laughs> researchers' findings were published in the March 20th, 2017, go grab a pencil, March 20th, 2017 issue of the journal Current Biology. Oh, that awesome. is so cute. I wouldn't be surprised if all animals had their own version of laughter and humans just don't recognize it. You've probably hit the nail on the head there, Ari. Human beings can only see things from a human perspective, which is why animals are so widely treated like second-class citizens or, worse, merchandise to make money from. In fact, in Riverside, undercover officers conducted a sting operation that targeted a local puppy mill that was selling underage puppies. Hmm. Now, you might know it's a violation of law to sell no, pups. I'm sorry. I hate to interrupt. If you're a puppy, how can you be an underage puppy? Oh, you're about to explain that. I right am. <laughs> Sorry, it just sounded weird. Hold on there, Jeff, <laughs> a.k.a. handsome hubby. You have to have at least reached the age of eight weeks to be able to be fit for placing into a new home away from your, your mommy. And there's a reason for that. Little puppies have not developed their immune system yet until they're at least eight weeks old. And, and personally, I think they should stay with their moms until they're at least 12 weeks of age, but the law only says eight. 
But the thing about puppy mill operators is they lose money the longer they're caring for these little animals. And plus they can't get the poor mommy pregnant again to make more merchandise for them. So they try and pan them off as soon as they possibly, possibly can. So officers posing as a husband and wife who wanted to purchase puppies bought two four-week-old puppies during their sting operation, which resulted in the puppy mill operator being cited. That's, that's all they could do is just cite her. It's not a felony, and she won't go to jail. But fortunately, the officers seized the remaining puppies and their mother, and now all the animals are under the care of a veterinarian. The Riverside authorities said that it is common practice to sell underage pups because free ad sites like Craigslist and social media have no way of controlling sales like these. I just don't know what people are thinking when they do this. I mean, a four-week-old puppy has virtually no immune system yet. These little guys would have had a tough time growing up into healthy dogs. And who wants a sick dog? Absolutely. And speaking of healthy dogs... I have a story about a little Bichon mix who is alive and healthy today thanks to a caring firefighter. Last Thursday, firefighters responded to a burning apartment building in Santa Monica. When the fire was extinguished and a search was conducted for any victims, a small dog was found who had been overcome by smoke and heat. It was not breathing and had no pulse. Firefighter Andrew Klein knew he had to take immediate action and began CPR. He was able to revive the dog later identified as Nalu, and placed her on oxygen. Nalu's mom, Crystal Lamarande, said she lost everything in the fire, but was thrilled her dog was saved. She also feels as though she has gained a new family, (laughs) the local firefighters, who feel that saving a life is saving a life, whether human or dog. All of us at the Pet Place radio show commend Firefighter Klein for his heroic efforts. That's for sure. That is for sure. And here's another rescue story, though... I gotta say that stupid human tricks definitely play a big role in causing the problem in the first place. A green sea turtle, who Thailand veterinarians have named Bank, is recuperating after having almost a thousand coins removed from its stomach. Oh. Apparently, Bank lives in a private pond where visitors throw in coins for luck. Bank had been eating these coins for years before someone finally realized what was going on and that the poor turtle was getting sick. Over 11 pounds of loose change and some fish hooks were surgically removed and Bank is on the mend. No way. A concerned public raised $450 for her veterinary care, though I suspect a big chunk of her bill was covered by the coins. (laughs) Wow, that's nuts. I do appreciate the pun in her name, though. (laughs) At least someone realized she was sick. Sheesh. It always takes animal lovers to make a difference, and they do it all over the world. Take this story, for example. Forty-six dogs were flown to New York from South Korea after being rescued from a farm where they were to be slaughtered for human consumption. The Humane Society International is responsible for saving the dogs that were fed barely enough to survive. The animals arrived at Kennedy International Airport late Saturday and were headed to emergency shelters in New York, Maryland, and Pennsylvania on Sunday. According to one rescuer, the farm in Goyang, a city just north of Seoul, was more like a dungeon where there's very little light, little to no ventilation, so the stench of ammonia would bring tears to your eyes when you walk through. That's so sad. You'd see eyes peering at you, but it was hard to actually see the dogs themselves in the dark. 
An estimated 17,000 other such farms still operate in South Korea. However, it is a diminishing industry in a society where demand for dog meat has been plummeting. Still, meat from about 2 million dogs is still eaten there every year. In the United States, the rescued dogs will be available for adoption after the shelters evaluate their behavior and medical needs to make sure each one is ready for life in a new home. The Washington-based Humane Society International, which relies on private donations, deals directly with farmers to close down dog meat businesses and help owners financially to transition to other work. Well, that's good. At least they're helping the farmers and showing them that there's another way to deal with this. And I'm glad to know that these dogs escaped the frying pan and have a chance to live a happy and pampered life. And speaking of the frying pan, ooh, that's that's an awkward transition. I'm sorry. I apologize. <laughs> it's just I, 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 you know, I can't wait to get over to hear about my daughter's cooking. Vegan cooking with Ari. Yay! <laughs> so here's what I have for you today, and I guarantee that no animals, especially dogs, were harmed in this cooking. So let's get started. Okay, so these meatballs were a big hit with my omnivorous friends, as well as my vegan ones, even the ones who don't like eggplants. <laughs> You'll need two eggplants, six cloves of garlic, two shallots, a pinch of salt and pepper, two tablespoons of olive oil, one and a half cups of breadcrumbs, a teaspoon of oregano, and a half teaspoon of parsley, fresh or dried. Now, first and foremost, preheat your oven to 400 degrees. Roughly chop the eggplant, garlic, and shallots, then place them on a large cookie sheet. Drizzle olive oil all over the top and sprinkle salt and black pepper to taste. You're going to roast these for 35 minutes in the oven, or until the edges are golden brown. When you remove the pan from the oven, reduce the heat from 400 to 350 degrees. We're going to use it again later. In a fruit processor or blender, combine all the roasted veggies with a half cup of breadcrumbs, as well as the rest of the spices. Only blend until the ingredients are just barely mixed, because you don't want the meatball's texture to become overly homogenous. Add the other quarter cup of breadcrumbs and finish combining. Remove the mixture from the food processor and begin forming into one or two inch balls, which you can then place on a well-greased pan. Cook them for 30 minutes, rotating halfway through on 350 degrees, and enjoy on pasta, in sandwiches, or on anything else your heart desires. <laughs> you know, I really think that sounds like a great recipe, and I'm wondering if you could create a little file that we could post online for our listeners in case they didn't get that all. I think that's a great idea. I'll get right on it. Awesome, and I can't wait for you to make that. Maybe you could do it tonight. <laughs> yeah, I, I second that. Uh, why wait? <laughs> Actually, it sounds, sounds delicious, sorry, but I, I just realized uh, there is a reason to wait. Shell Marie Maine just called in. We have her on the line ready to talk to Marie. She's from the community coop, and remember, she's going to tell us all about raising chickens. Awesome. Let's put her through. Hi. How's it going? Good to be here. Going great. It's been a while since we've chatted, and the reason I, I asked you to be on the show today is because we're getting into that time of year where a lot of people are considering buying little chicks because it's springtime and Easter, and everybody thinks, oh, I would love to have a couple little chicks and have some backyard chickens, and what would you say to mm -hmm. that? <laughs> well, I think chickens are amazing pets, but you need to make sure that you're prepared to have chickens, especially 
in Orange County, you never know. You have to check with your city ordinances and your homeowners or, um, ordinances as well. And then make sure that you're willing to commit to the lifespan of a chicken, which How can be up to 12 years. <laughs> 12 years? Wow, I had no idea chickens lived that long. And a lot of people get chickens because they think, hey, fresh eggs every day. Do chickens lay eggs for that full 12 years? Typically, their best production years for eggs is under three years. Okay. But that doesn't mean that they're going to stop laying eggs. They can lay eggs up until, until their golden years, but you're typically going to see more egg laying in the while they're younger. So, okay. yes, they could lay eggs, but just not as much. So and when, very little at the end. So when you get some pet chickens, you really are getting pets, and having eggs for a few years is just going to be a benefit. Right. Okay. Exactly. You know, the other day I was at Midway City Feed Store because I, I mm-hmm. shop there to pick up food for some of my myriad pets that I have at home, and I saw mm-hmm. that there were four beautiful hens that were in a cage that they had there so I asked the guy behind the counter what are these little hens doing here and the gentleman behind the counter said well they stopped laying eggs so their owner decided she didn't want them anymore so now they're here and that just broke my heart I can't believe that people would raise little babies and have these beautiful pets and then just get rid of them like that they're such great pets I don't know why anyone would want to ever get rid of get rid of I hate that phrase but I would I have had chickens that are my oldest chicken in my flock right now is 11 years old Wow! and we love them all they all have great personalities they're good pets I think a lot of people don't realize that chickens have personalities because all they could think of is eating chicken dinner (laughs) (laughs) yes they do and they're so smart they're there, you can have up to grumpy chicken down to a funny, goofy chicken. And I just love that there's a range of personalities with every flock that you have. And you would know because you actually have a little rescue and a community coop. And I was wondering if you could tell us a little bit about that. Sure. So I was fortunate enough to find a little stable, a private stable, where the gentleman that owns the stables allows me to have what is out like basically a co-op, a community coop for people, specifically families with kids, um, to all raise chickens together, and we have a rotating schedule where we clean and we feed, and we get to take time to just get out, get your hands dirty, and enjoy the chickens. And as an actual benefit bonus, we get to collect fresh eggs. So it's a lot of fun for people that maybe want to raise chickens but can't do it at their household. And it's a good way to teach their kids a little bit of responsibility and where your food comes from, if you want to go that direction, mm-hmm. and have a unique kind of um, experience. Wow, that so is really that. cool. So that's also for people who may not live in an area where they're allowed to keep chickens in their own backyard. Right. Wow. Yes. Uh-huh. And you also and do a little rescue, too. Yes. Yes. And we are fortunate to have enough space that occasionally when we do come across some of the families or people that have gotten chickens and realize that they don't want them or they're not allowed to have them or whatever the story, we're able to take them in and give them a temporary home until they find um, their forever home. Oh. So we're lucky to help with that program as well. 
Now, you were talking about the space that you rent. I've heard that that is potentially a historical landmark, isn't it? Right, it is. There's an old barn that's a beautiful big old barn that was built in the 1840s, and we just love being a part of that. And I would, I just love that barn. (laughs) I just love the property (laughs) altogether. It's just an, an amazing little area. I love it. Now it's We're not so officially have, it's not officially yet a, a historical landmark, n- right? Not yet. We hope to maybe get it deemed official historical landmark because there's not a lot of those old barns down here in Orange County, especially in the Lake Forest area. Wow. What would be the process in making that happen to preserve this location for, you know, the future? That's a good question. I'm I've actually spoke with city mayor and hopefully we're going to be looking into getting more details on digging this beautiful barn and this beautiful property, possibly a historical. So we're kind of in the beginning stages of looking into it at this time. Wow. If somebody wanted to help you get involved, do you have a community website or Facebook page or something where they could contact yes. you? Yes. I would love help if somebody could give me some tips and some information on how to move forward with this and preserving this beautiful area for the future kids, families, et cetera, and education center would be the goal. I love that. And I have a Facebook page for the Community Coop, and it's called Community Coop. Oh, well, that's <laughs> and, cool. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so Facebook.com slash Community Coop. Right. And the Coop is all capitalized, so okay. C-O-O-P is capitalized. Okay. Excellent. I would love to get some information of anybody that's been through that process before. I'd love to be able to turn this little property into something that could educate and help people through the years, forever, basically. Awesome. And and continue helping the little chickens and other barnyard animals, yes. too, because there's a the yes. potential that we might end up losing this beautiful place and everything that you do for educational purposes. Yes. I'd love to have it for posterity. So Okay. Well, one more time, because I was kind of talking over you when we gave out your Facebook address. What is that Facebook address one more time? On Facebook, Community Coop. It's basically the community in the capitalized C-O-O-P. Awesome. Awesome. And you have other little (laughs) tips there about raising chickens. And I want to get back to to baby chicks. Now, when I was a kid, I was always told that you shouldn't handle baby chicks a lot or that would kill them. But then on the other hand, don't you have to handle baby chicks quite a bit so that they bond to you? And where do you need to be careful when it comes to the little ones? With the tiny little baby chicks, the ones that you typically find at feed stores or tack and feed stores um, that are going to be available any all throughout the spring typically, you want to make sure that they stay nice and warm. But, yes, you do want to hold them, and you, would, and you want to make sure that they learn that you are a friend and they will bond to you. And the more you do handle them, of course, within reason, you want to make sure that you do so gently, and if there are children handling them, you want to make sure that they're sitting down so that the little chicks won't fall and hurt themselves. But keeping them them warm is is the biggest tip I can give to someone. You don't want them to get chilled when they're so tiny. They can't regulate their own body heat. So handling them daily and offering them food right out of your hands is ideal. They love, love that. And learn so quickly. Is there a special food that you give to babies? Yes, there's 
through pretty much every feed store that sells chicks, there is the starter chick feed, and it has the proper nutrients to get the chicks the right start in life. You want to start them off. It's like baby food for chickens. Mm -hmm. And once they hit a certain age, typically around two months, you can start transitioning to um, adult food. But it has the proper blend of vitamins, minerals, and proteins so that they will get the right start and grow properly. Okay. And then you mentioned keeping them warm. Would that involve having like a light, a heat lamp over their little enclosure right. that you have for them? And what temperature, sh- ideally, should they be maintained at? Well, they start out, when you get them, you usually build a pooter box so you can purchase them. I typically use a Rubbermaid tub with a clip lamp from Home Depot, and that seems to do just fine. Start out with 100 degrees, and as the weeks go by, as they start to get grow and they feather out, you reduce it by five degrees at a time. So they do need quite a warm little area. And you can gauge on how well they're adjusting to their heat lamp by if they're crowding under the lamp, that means they're cold. Oh, okay. So you want to adjust the lamp height to make sure that it's either cooler or, or warmer. Mm-hmm. And as they spread out, you can tell whether or not they're adjusting well to the, the heat. If they're trying to get away from the lamp, you know they're too hot. So okay, okay. you can gauge the little chickens as you see them with the lamp. It's kind of fun. I love to see them. So would you say like every week you would reduce the temperature by yes. 5 degrees until mm-hmm. you're at basically room temperature? Yep. Okay. Uh-huh. And yep. then at That's that cool. point, is that the point that they can go outside into a coop in the backyard? Yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. Wow. I see. I find that when they're fully feathered, and it, it, depending on the breeds, when they're fully feathered and they've adjusted to having the lamp off during the day, that's the best time to start taking them out into your yard uh, and letting them assimilate to all the great environmental stimuli in the yard. They love to look at the flowers and try to chase a bug and maybe even take a little nap, sun, sun, sunbathing and nap in the yard. It's so cute to see them when they start to stretch out in the yard for the first time. Ah, that sounds so much fun. Well, believe it or not, Shell Marie, we are out mm-hmm. of time. This, this time oh. always goes by so fast. <laughs> but I sure appreciate you coming on the show today and talking about chicks and chickens and, and your rescue and the beautiful historical site where your rescue is located and I hope that we can truly make it a landmark so that it's preserved forever. So thank I you. Lo- yes, I would love that. Thank you very much for having me on. I and, love And we hope I you'll come it. back again. Oh, of course. We'll talk to you it's later. So Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye-bye. Chickens just make the sweetest pets. They're funny, affectionate, playful. Gosh, I wish more people would take the time to get to know a chicken rather than to eat them. Yeah, it's kind of a problem with language. I mean, there aren't that many pets whose names sound like food, (laughs) except, I guess, in Korea. Oh, God. Some parts. There's nothing against Koreans at all, except the dog eaters. Anyway, uh, we get a lot of letters about chickens, so I do think things are changing slowly, but at least they're changing. If you've had a chance to visit a backyard chicken, it's pretty amazing. They're beautiful walking around the backyard, and it's hard to believe that they would be illegal to keep in the yard anywhere. Yeah. But anyway, while we're talking about letters, did I bring up letters? <laughs> <laughs> edit, edit. No, no, you, you did. You said we get a lot of letters about chickens. We get a lot of... Okay. <laughs> well, oh, yeah, I have this one from our mailbag. Look. It's from John in Orange. 
Dear Marie, voice of John, <laughs> I moved into my first flat about two months ago, and there are a crazy amount of feral cats in the complex. One cat is pregnant and extremely scared of people. Now, I have been putting food and water out, and I considered calling the SPCA. But I'm tired of trying to figure out what those letters stand for, and I'm, <laughs> I'm afraid they'll put her down. I just want to know how I can help her without scaring her too much. Wow, you sound just like that old Disney narrator from Charlie the Lonesome Cougar. <laughs> but let me get to John, because I know he seriously does want an answer. First of all, John, hi, and thanks for writing in. You know, what you've described is sadly a very common situation pretty much everywhere. But you can definitely help this little female kitty as well as some of the other ferals in your complex. First, do a quick online search to see if there are any feral cat societies that are close to you. They will often do trap, neuter, and release, and will even get vet care for feral cats that need help. Now, I'm not sure if you're interested in adopting the little pregnant kitty, but if you are, the Feral Cat Society can loan you a trap, or you can just rent one from your local feed store. These are humane box traps, so they won't hurt her at all. Just put out a plate of canned food actually inside the trap and set it in the area where you see her most. And hopefully you won't catch one of the other ferals, but if you do, just turn it loose. Then when you catch her, bring the entire trap into a room in your home that is set up with a litter box, food, and water. Close the door of the room and release her. Now, she'll be really scared at first, and she might be bouncing off the walls or just hiding under a bed or something, but over time, she'll begin to see that you are the one who's feeding her and giving her water, and make a nice box for her lined with an old towel where she can have her kittens. Once your kittens are born, handle them constantly so that they'll be tame. Then you can find them homes, and when they are ready, get mama spayed and vaccinated, and hopefully by that point, she'll be pretty tame herself. You might even decide to keep one of the kittens, too. It's always fun to have two cats because then they can play together, and if it's a mom and a kitten, they'll have a special bond. Believe it or not, feral cats can be tamed down, and they become wonderful companions. I've had a few myself over the years. It just takes time and patience. So good luck, and don't hesitate to write back at petplaceradio at gmail.com if you hit any snags. If John from Orange adopts her, I think he'll be really happy with his decision. And on the topic of adoption, let's showcase a few animals from shelters and rescues. But before that, a quick announcement from the Pet Place Radio Show. The Pet Place Radio Show apologizes for the man who imitated John, the letter writer, in the previous segment. Uh, there was no intention to uh, make John sound foolish or in any other way uh, be disrespectful. Now, continuing with our regular show. From the German Shepherd Rescue of Orange County, we have two-year-old Murphy. In spite of being abandoned in a night drop box at a local shelter, he is a very happy dog. Whoever left him, why I oughta, left <laughs> no note with information, but Murphy is well-behaved, handsome, and friendly. He even gives kisses. Aww. He is very people-oriented. He loves car rides and enjoys playing. He is currently being fostered with a family that owns a small dog and a cat and is having no problems whatsoever. 
For more information about Murphy and other German shepherds in need of homes, visit www.gsroc.org. www, like George W. <laughs> it's easier to read it that way. I think you have some accent left over from John from Orange. (laughs) (laughs) Well, anyway, since we're officially into springtime, let's showcase a bunny. Cyan is a gray and white male lion head lop. He was about two months old when he arrived at the San Clemente Animal Shelter in January and was a matted mess. He had two huge mats with wood shavings tangled in his flowingly long fur around his head and his skirt. After an hour and a half of combing, maybe a little shaving too, he turned out to be quite a handsome bun-bun. Cyan is a little bit nervous, but he's okay once you pick him up, and I'm sure he'll get more accustomed once he's adopted. So he will make a lovely house bunny in a home where he gets lots of grooming. So if you're interested in this lovely bun-bun, please call... 949-595-8899. And for those of you who love kitties, OC Shelter Partners is having a kitten shower and donation drive on Saturday, April 8th from 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. at Pet Country in Lake Forest, which is located at 22485 El Toro Road, Suite A. The donations that are needed are nursing bottles, kitten formula, blankets, washcloths, towels, pet wipes, kitten shampoo, kitten front line, pet beds, flea combs, cat litter, and toys. If you are busy on April 8th, don't worry. You can drop off any of these supplies at any time before the event as well. Foster families are also needed because we are well into kitten season, so there are a lot of kitties with no moms that are at the shelter that need some fostering and TLC. For more information, visit www.ocshelterpartners.org. And with that, as it turns out, last announcement, we've officially run out of time. Oh, but I had more recipes to share. Guess you'll have to wait until our next episode, Ari. And to all you listeners, be sure to join us again for another packed episode of the Pet Place Radio Show, where we'll feature more animal news, cruelty-free recipes from Ariana, adoptable pets, fun pet-related events, and more. Be sure to visit us online at www.petplace.org or at facebook.com slash petplaceradio. And remember, pets need love and a home, too. Have a wonderful week. Bye. Bye. Bye.